Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Bankroll Burners, the podcast for poker players who can't stop getting it in bad. I'm Mike. And I'm Josh. And once again, as normal, we are here to talk about how bad we are at poker, go through some hands we played this week, but we do have a guest on the program for the second half of the show. Hooray! That's right. It'll be fun to welcome another guest, and just want to apologize in advance for any uh, and and uh, currently for any audio issues you may experience. Uh, our apologies for the quality. We've ran through a number of technical difficulties uh, and have, uh, have have things running as best as we can. So you're gonna have to bear with us, and uh, we appreciate that. Yeah, we are neither professional audio engineers nor professional poker players, so you know you get what you get. Yeah, this is like um, a side hustle to a side hustle. If you think about That's it, right. this this is like it's. But you think about it, it's like an inverse because both side hustles lose money in time. So exactly. Um, well, anyway, why why don't we get started? Um, as far as as poker goes this week, um, I took a took a shot at some two five at Encore Boston Harbor. Uh, I was running really hot in the one three game. I like doubled up my five hundred dollar buy in quite quickly and thought, well, this is a good time to, to go play some 2-5, since if I get crushed, then I'll still walk away, like, down 1-1-3 one, one, buy-in, um, which, you know, is, is pretty good. Uh, so I've got a hand from 2-5. I did wind up getting crushed in the 2-5 game. Um, but, I mean, it was it was actually kind of a weird dynamic, because I would say of the eight players at the table, like, four were, like, nit regs, who were just, like, you know, not really playing any pots. Um and then there was there was one guy who was just kind of a classic loose passive live player, and there was one guy who I'd basically classify as as a maniac, where he was, but it was a weird like he wasn't playing like a maniac pre flop. He was like limp calling literally every hand, um, and then just like betting and raising super aggressively every hand um, post flop. You call him a lag, a loose aggressive player. Yeah, exactly. It was weird. You know, it's weird to ju- to juxtapose that over the sort of limp call pre flop play. Um, but I did wind up losing uh, all of my money to him when he actually made hands, and I made uh, not quite as good hands. So, you know, that's life. Well, it's funny, actually. The hand I, I want to talk about this week also has to do with the lag, although I do agree that limp calling a lot pre-flop, pre-flop is not really laggy, you know, not loose-aggressive, pretty pretty pa- loose-passive, but then, of course, if he turns up the heat post-flop, it kind of works. Yeah, and, and then I wound up playing a, a short session in, like, the juiciest 1-3 game ever where, like, once the clock hit midnight, people were just, like, limp-calling every single hand forever. And, you know, it was one of these things where... It was, like, one of these things where if I picked up aces or, like, hit a set or a flush or a straight or two pair, I would just be raking in huge pots, and I didn't. So, you know. But I am glad that I did not, like, bluff my stack away when people were just not going to fold at any point during the hand. Yeah, no, fair enough. Good, good being cognizant of your table conditions. Uh, back to your comment about playing 2-5 at Encore and, you know, there being four kind of nitty reg, regs there. I mean, is 2-5 the biggest game in the room? Oh, no. There was definitely a 5-10 game running. There's also a 5-5 PLO game running. Uh, there is a 10-25 game that runs once in a while. I don't know if it was running. Um, it was like a Tuesday night or Wednesday night, so... Not sure if the 1025 is running. I think there was one table of 510, two tables of 25, and a bunch of 1-3, and also a couple of PLO games. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I just think, like, you know, if I'm there grinding away, playing 2-5, like, not wanting to be action-y and just wanting to, like, 
make my make my you know hourly whatever it's like you know those players like you can't have that many of them in a game before like it doesn't work anymore so i feel like four is too many i agree yeah. but it, it actually worked out quite well i mean i mean obviously despite my results i feel like it did wind you know work out quite well where because this um lag was playing so many pots and the other sort of you know loose passive player was playing so many pots like I really, whenever I picked up a hand, I just found myself either heads up with one of them or three ways with one of them because the other guys just didn't want to play. And if like one of them raised, I could just like super tighten up my range because I'm just I know that they're like playing a super solid opening range. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, we've talked about this many times in the show about like you know those players like we do, we try not to be those players like even though we are for-profit players and bad bad at being such but you know we are trying to you know play prop pr play properly to the best of our limited ability um you know we try not to be nitty action killing quiet like lamos and it's so. actually quite funny that you uh that you brought up you know whether that two five game was the largest because the one three game i played was in a card room not encore boston harbor and it was the largest Hold'em game running, and it just played insane. The guy to my right just, like, was the big winner. He had no idea how to play. He was, like, eight beers deep. Every time I folded preflop, he would show me his hand, like, as he was limp calling, and be like, this is my favorite hand. It always hits. And it was, like, you know, 10-5 offsuit, 8-6, like, and he hit more often than not, which was just hilarious. Well, that's good poker. So. Yeah. Why don't, we, why don't we get into a hand here, though? So what's your 2-5 what's your hand? Yeah, so this is a 2-5 hand, uh, as you mentioned. Uh, I find we are playing, so it's a 2-5, it's 1k cap. Uh, I'm in for, I, I have about 600 in front of me. Uh, this is okay. fairly early on. I, I already have a sense of the table dynamics because, like, it's, like, very obvious. Like, it's kind of weird because, like, in a 1-3 game, I'm used to kind of having to wait to figure out what everyone is because some people are just, like, bad and don't really... I mean, I, I don't, and I don't mean that derogatorily. I just mean, like, you know, they... A, a lot of people playing 1-3 just, like, don't really have, like, a, a strategic bucket they fit into because they're just kind of playing cards. Like, right. and so you kind of have to figure out, like, what the best exploits are. But here it was, like, you know, it was obvious who the two people who were playing loose passive were, and it was obvious who the guys who were playing, like, solid poker were. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, and I picked off uh, one, one bluff from this from this lag um and so i'm sitting so we're sitting 600 deep which uh, i guess i should update um on our handy dandy tracker um i am sitting in the low jack uh we're playing it's an eight-handed table i'm sitting in the low jack with queen jack of clubs okay um so i elect to open um i make it in this two five game mm -hmm. what's the standard open in this two five game it's 20 20 is the standard open. I mean, it's, you know, a little more than 1-3 being 15. You know, the multiple tends to go down, but it's it's 20. Uh, and as I make it 20, the loose passive player on the button and the maniac in the big blind uh, both call. Okay. Well, hey. <laughs> Which is pretty much what I expected to happen, I must say. Yeah, I mean, you definitely would rather than that than the reverse. Like, you don't really want the maniac on the button, you know. Yeah. I mean, I feel like when you uh, are playing against a player like that on your immediately left, you kind of have to tighten up, which can be kind of lame. Uh, but it sounds like that wasn't the case, so that's good. No, he was pretty much sitting directly across the table from me, um, which I think was was uh, was was fine. You know, it it, it worked out pretty well. Um, 
So we're off to a flop, which uh, comes is actually quite an interesting one. It comes out eight of hearts, six of clubs, five of clubs. So we've got queen jack of clubs. We've got two overs and a flush drop. Very cool. I, this is interesting. You know, I mean, this is a, obviously not a great flop for your range. Um, probably this hits the big blind the hardest, but it should hit the button a decent amount as well. I think both your opponents can have all the sets, whereas you might have... You definitely have eights, probably sixes, fives, maybe less so. Um, you know, so you, but of course you're gonna have way less sort of straight and two pair combos than they will. So this, I'm assuming you're thinking about checking this board. Well, I, I think I'd be checking a lot here, but I think this is like probably a hand that I can polarize to some extent. You know, maybe not to the extent where I'm like over betting or making a full pot size bet, but certainly in you know the two thirds, three quarters range, um, with a strong draw. I mean, obviously. You know, a couple considerations that I don't have the nut flush draw. There's, you know, there, the the button and especially the big blind can definitely have like all the ace x of clubs and pop, probably most of the king x of clubs also. Um, I mean, I just yeah. know they're playing loose. The big blind is definitely calling with all of those hands. Um, yeah. So, you know, with, with that in mind, you know, maybe a check makes sense some of the time and I'd... I'd maybe weight betting my betting my bluffs more towards you know maybe it's seven x of clubs maybe it's ace x of clubs but i i decided this is basically good enough and you'll know, want to build the pot if i do hit um so the big blind checks and, and i do make it 40 uh, but okay. uh, you know 40 and 40 into 60 basically exactly yeah i mean i i think I guess my question about this is like, do you have enough sort of thick value here to be doing this with, like where you're balanced? I mean, because I feel like you have you've kind of named a lot more bluffs that you could have that are sort of better, like the nut flush draw, combo draws, obviously. Um, and I mean, do you have you know when you're getting down to be like, okay, queen jack of clubs, like do you have enough thick value, especially since you're taking this large polarizing sizing. I mean, like, yeah, we, you have like eights and sixes. You probably don't really have the straight here much at all. I mean, I guess I might, I might, I might just check all here for that reason, but I don't, I mean, I don't think betting is terrible, but I guess that's my initial reaction. Yeah, I think that's fair. You know, thinking about it now that, I, I mean, I guess, you know, I obviously won't have all the ace of clubs probably. From the, I guess I probably am yeah, racing all the ace of clubs if I know myself. Um, Probably, you know, I ha I have been trying to shy away from playing hands like seven nine, despite my my our previous podcast episodes. Um, so yeah, I think there's definitely merit to just check calling here. You know, check evaluating opponents can definitely have very strong hands here. Um, you know, they can also have a lot of mid middling value and misses. Kind of, kind of given how, I, I, that's my other thought is given how many hands they're playing. Like I just think there's they're also going to have a lot of misses. You know, if they have mm -hmm. sort of ace x king x of a different suit. You know, they're probably just going to have to fold a lot of the time here on a connected board. Yeah, and that's fair. And, and I guess the other thing, too, is with maybe some of these stronger bluffs, rather than putting them into a bet range, you might want to look at them like check raises instead. So it might be good to have a few more bluffs in your, you know, betting range, not check raising range. So, I mean, I don't, I don't think it can be that bad. I definitely don't. And I do think that if you're going to bet this board, you should be using that large sizing. So. Yeah, well, you know, it, it, it does, uh, th this bet does not achieve the desired result of chasing either player out as uh, both opponents call. Interesting. They so, just call, call, okay? Yeah, it, it just goes call, call. So there's about 180 in the pot, about 540 behind. Uh, and we do go to the turn. 
Uh, still three ways, um, and the turn is going to come a probably one of the worst cards I could see, which comes the six of diamonds. Wow. So we pair the board, and yeah, I mean, I mean, well, at least you know, less likely to have it set, I guess. That, that's true. I mean, it does cut down some of their thick value, but I mean, you know, they, they certainly might even be calling one street with a six, um, sure. you know, and any pair on a, on sort of a wet board. Uh, and the big blind checks. And uh, what, what do you think here? Should we keep the pressure on or is this a spot to, to slow down and try and realize some equity? I mean, I think if you bet here and get raised, you probably have to fold, right? Yeah, For I think that's, part. I think that's fair. Um... I guess the question is, you know, if you bet here, are you folding out any hands that called the flop? Is, I mean, I think you're folding out gut shots, probably, if you bet here, so there's that. Probably not folding out an eight, though. Right. Um, obviously not folding out a six. Probably not folding out any flush draws. Other Like, any nut flush draws. I guess you could be folding out some worse flush draws, but you're beating those hands anyway. Um, yeah, so maybe it's like, you know, maybe it's like, uh, like fives, getting folds from any sort of five hand or ace high, if, if those hands decided to float for whatever reason. I mean, maybe something like ace seven. I don't know if that, you know. I mean, it probably should fold. Yeah. Well, I'm, maybe, maybe maybe the button should fold that hand, but I guess the big blind probably shouldn't. Yeah, I don't know. Um, man, yeah, I... I I feel like you can check call here versus the big line, big blind pretty profitably. I think it's a little dicey if you check the button bets and the big blind folds. I think you have to really look at his sizing. Yeah, and obviously but, I'm not. I can't check. I I I can't check call against the big blind because he has already checked. It is worth knowing. Oh, yeah, what am I about? Okay, yeah. So, um, I, yeah. Well, that's very silly of me. Anyway, yeah, I'm just check here. Yeah, I agree, and I, I think also, you know, there's some merit to, like, betting better flush draws, maybe, you know, because, again, like, I'm definitely not folding out a better flush draw, which is all, which I'm also losing to. I mean, maybe I'm, I can just, like, bet again on the river, but I don't really want to play this hand as, like, a three-street bluff, um, because, like, the board is just so bad for me. Um, like, pretty much my whole range. Like, I'm not even feeling wonderful about this if I have, like, aces. Sure. Yeah, absolutely, and and I mean, you also might not be good if you make flush here. I mean, I think you will be a lot, um, but you might not be. Yeah, and to your point about sort of checking to the button and evaluating, I agree. I think if the button puts out, you know, a small bet, like 50 to 70 sort of range, we can, we can call a lot. Um, but if he bets quite big, I do think we're quite happy folding as well. I mean, it's really just an odds yeah. question a lot of the time. Yeah, exactly. I mean, because you just your implied odds against the button are never going to be that good unless you're doing some river leading. Remind me, the pot here is we're we're talking. It was sixty on the flop, right? So it's now one eighty. Like yeah, that. pot's one eighty. We got five forty behind, so about three x um, pot remaining. Yeah, I, I just think I I kind of agree, and I think even if the flush draw does come in. I mean, I'm probably not getting thick value from worse hands unless someone has like exactly a six, just because the flush draw is pretty telegraphed and like it's a, you know, it's a dynamic board. There's a lot of strong hands. It's it's unlikely that we're going to get like a ton of value. You know, like we're not going to get stacks and especially now that the board's paired. Um, so so we do check and the button checks as well. Oh, okay. Well, we might might get it. Might make our flush here. Okay. So what happens? 
So, the yeah, I mean, it's, I, I was quite happy to see the button check. You know, great to realize equity. And the river is going to come a really interesting card that kind of brings up a big decision point um, in the Ace of Spades. Hmm. Okay. So, so the Ace of Spades, you know, I mean, it's not... It, it obviously does not improve me at all. But uh, he, here's where things, I think, get quite interesting. With, with 180 in the pot, uh, the big blind is going to lead now for 35. Okay, so big blind leads into 180 for 35. And the just go through the board one time for those just listening on the audio. Um, yeah, it's eight. Have... I, I can do it. I, I have it right in front of me. So it's eight of hearts, six of clubs, five of clubs, six of diamonds, ace of spades. So eight, six, six, five, ace. The front door club draw, of which I have the queen and the jack, has bricked. So we're sitting here with queen high. Um, and I... I mean, I, I'm, I'm happy to hear your thoughts here but first, but then, then, you know, I can kind of talk through some of what I was thinking in the moment and after the fact. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. I mean, you've got sort of a guy who likes to get after it, right? This is the big blind. I mean, the button certainly shouldn't have that strong of a hand. He can have an ace as played for sure. Um, so that's, I guess, a consideration. If you raise here, I kind of, I mean, given your description of the button as a very loose passive player, if you raise the big blind... I don't know that the button will fold an ace, which is sort of a concern, um, even though he ought to. But nevertheless, he might not. So I would be a bit worried about raising. I mean, I assume that's the question here is like, can we raise as a bluff? Certainly we can't call. Right. Um, uh, but I mean, this is such a weak bet. Very, very much a block sizing. I think that we can have a lot of ace-x as played, obviously. Um, yeah, I mean, ace-king. I mean, ace-king probably checks the flop a lot of the time. Um, but, you know, maybe sometimes it's, like, strong enough to bet. And, like, ace-king can certainly be played in this fashion. Good point about the button. I think the multi-way aspect is kind of what makes it interesting. Because I think if the big blind bet this heads up, it's probably, like, a raise a lot. Because, I mean, but the issue, the other issue is that the big blind, like, playing in flow, you know, this is his real first opportunity to sort of bet in flow. So he could have a strong hand that he's just basically reading both myself and the button for weak and wants to extract value from, like, really bad hands with, like, a six. I mean, I don't, I don't really think that's going to happen a lot. I think most players tend to bet fairly large with their, like, thick value hands. Yeah, I mean, this could be, like, a weak ace. This could be an eight if he thinks an eight's good, although it'd be kind of odd. It could also be, like, nines or something bizarre like that. Um, I mean, yeah. I think your hand is really bad to bluff with because you block clubs, which you really want them to have clubs. Um, yeah, and, and maybe there are other combos that are, you know, with clubs. I mean, maybe something like, for example, I know we talked on the flop about, like, you know, betting more with like 7x of clubs i mean not that i should really have that many 7x of clubs hands but you know maybe if i have a seven of clubs you know i guess it's not going to be a bluff maybe king seven of clubs if i raise with that right where it's like hey now i actually block like at least i block some strong hands right like stuff like that where it's a little bit better although th there just aren't that many of those combos that i'm opening with and haven't made at least a pair given the board texture yeah, it's pretty weird. I mean, like, given that you took that sort of largish sizing on the flop, like, and, and then checking the turn, like, I, I guess 
you have to question like what are you really even doing that with on the turn like what are you betting the flop with and then checking the turn with for value like that's like a value hand i guess like you're right and it would basically be like ace king of clubs like ace queen of clubs i mean maybe it's also you know kings queens like i mean it could be an overpair but those hands i think would be kind of a pure call here at this point yeah i mean i think um i think any large like ace king through ace jack with the ace of clubs is fairly credible um so the question is like are you raising those hands for value like you're probably making a thin value raise you're probably not making it very large right i think i think if you bomb this it doesn't really make any sense but i think you could make a case for going like i don't know 120 like yeah something like that yeah, well, I think it's I think it's just kind of an interesting thought when we kind of realize, you know, between the button being in the middle, the big blind putting out such a weak sizing. In the moment, I basically, like, autopilot folded. Like, I was just like, oh, I'm super done with this hand. Like, this card sucks. Like, you know, there's a guy behind me, snap fold. Um, so I didn't even really think about this all in my head. Like, I probably should have. But I, I, I kind of think that I could just, like, fold this hand here. Like I think this specific combo is not great to bluff with. I think you made a good fold. Yeah, and then the uh, the button folds as well. So we don't get to see what the big blind has, but like not too worried about it. Um, it was just you know when I, I again I don't miss, I don't think it's uh, like a slam dunk raise. I just think I kind of thought about it after and I was like, oh, I probably should have at least given this more thought as to like you know given how small this bet was. So yeah, yeah, it's definitely interesting. Like you're sort of handcuffed by that bet size. It's like man, you know, he's telegraphing so much weakness. Can I get after it? But I certainly think, I mean, if you think that he will usually fold to a raise just because he's bad and is just stabbing, then I could see doing this with your entire range in a very unbalanced way. So, I mean, I guess if you told me you raised, I wouldn't think it was crazy if you if you had that read. But certainly if you're looking to, like, find bluffs here, I wouldn't use this combination. And, and also, if you're trying to, like, get, like, if we're trying to, like, get him off an 8, it's kind of an awkward spot where, like, we want to be raising small, because that's what we would do with value, but, like, I feel like most players, like, are just not folding, like, an 8 to a small raise here. So. Yeah, it depends on the player. I would say some would. Alright, uh, well, that, that's uh, that's my hand, so why don't, why don't we move on to the next one? Cool. Well, I have a hand also played against uh, a loose, aggressive type of guy. Uh, and this was a hand that I absolutely butchered uh, because, well, probably for a variety of reasons, but the biggest one being that I thought my opponent had a lot more chips than he did. So, Well, uh, that's weird. You know, I've never heard that one. I know the, like, oh, my opponent was hiding their big chips, so I thought they had more. Never heard that my opponent was hiding their small chips, so... You know, my opponent did nothing wrong. I'm just a, I'm just a dumb. Um, but uh, no, I, he had won like a large pot, and then had lost a bunch of pots. But I like wasn't paying close attention to his stack size and assumed he still had a decent amount of chips from the large pot he had won. But he in fact did not. So. Okay, so are we playing? Uh, is this our usual two five game? No, actually. So I was playing 2-2 this week. Again, my, my buddy's in town, so I wanted to play with him. So we, we were playing 2-2. And it was, uh, I mean, it's so interesting. And after playing 2-5 for a while and then playing 2-2 for a few nights, it's like the games are so different just in terms of the weird stuff you see. Like, I, I don't think that the 2-5 players are particularly, like, amazing at poker or something, although there are some 
some who are, but I think for the most part, like they just do less weird nonsense. So I, it's I like for example, I saw a hand where a gentleman called next to act uh, in a multi-way pot uh, with queen high, no draw. So just interesting stuff. Yeah, I mean it's it's in some some situations and at some tables it can definitely be frustrating too, where you kind of realize like I just have to throw strategy out the window and just only go for value and just like bet like just bet with like top pair or better and just like bet three streets because my opponents will call me with like you know nothing and so I just can't bluff like there's no point in bluffing a river when there is no like there's no fold equity. Yeah, I think that that can be true. I mean, I didn't think certainly didn't think that was the situation here. Like, I I don't know. I like to have fun. I was making some fun fun seven deuce bluffs. You know, all the good stuff. So I mean, whatever. It was a good time. It was a profitable session at the end of the day. But well, great. Yeah, uh, this this guy uh, had sat down pretty recently, and he had been in a lot of pots. So he was. I he had sort of telegraphed. He's also doing a bit of trash talking. Like I was like, all right, I know I I know this player type. So this this guy was a lag for sure. Um, and he and I had already tangled a couple of times. Uh, in one pot, I had three bet him pre-flop. Um, I don't even remember with what something like, you know, some kind of suited Broadway, maybe, maybe Ace Jack, I think. Um. Oh no! I think it was. I think he opened a button, and I three bet with Ace Jack offsuit from the small. I think is what happened. Sure. Um, and then he four bet, so I was like, "Well, I'm definitely tossing Ace Jack off in the muck here." This is before I knew anything about the guy, but it it became clear to me that he was not four betting a tight range. But for the most part, I'm mucking any anything to a four bet pretty much in live poker because people don't four bet. But this guy was so. Yeah, unless um, you're it, suitably deep, you have you know good cards yeah. stuff like that i know what you mean yeah yeah i mean this so this you know i think this guy was not playing like an incredibly nitty four bet range like the vast like 99.9 percent .9 of low stakes live players so got it um, and that little bit here so we're 200 effective and i thought we were 300 effective so that's relevant here. So, but we are 200 effective okay um and we're seven-handed and i'm in the uh small blind uh, and I there is I have black eights in the small blind. Yes. Cool. And um, there's an early position limp, and this loose villain makes it nine over the limp. And where's this villain? Uh, where's this villain in position in, in the? the okay. The yep. Um. Yeah, this loose villain makes it nine over the limp. And, like, this is obviously a small sort of bull bullshit raise. Uh, I see players like, I, when I play against players like this in the past, like, they do make lots of these small sort of raises and sort of juice up the pot. I, I think it's part of their strategy to, like, make the pot bigger so that you can push people around with larger bets on later streets, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah, not, not like the other type of player who's just scared of making big bets because... Like I, I had a guy recently and in the like in the straddle with like eight limps to him in a one three five made it fifteen and then was shocked when everybody called. Like not in like a, I'm juicing up the pot to bluff later, but like in a I have a strong hand and this is how much I want to raise. So good to good to recognize that distinction. Yeah, absolutely. Like you know, I think this is just again, this is a, a very aggro type of guy. So 
I'm sitting with my black eights in the small blind, and I think that uh, this is just a three bet. Yeah. Against, I mean, it's pretty much any type of opponent. Um, and so I make it thirty-five. Okay. Uh, makes makes sense to me. I might even go a little bit bigger just because of the limper to kind of disincentivize the limper from calling. Um, That's true. Yeah, I, I think I think I could have gone forty. Yeah, but I think thirty-five makes makes total sense. And then it folds back around to him, and he pretty quickly makes it a hundred and fourteen dollars. Okay. So what are you doing here, given the background I've given you? One fourteen. Um, well, I mean, if we're only two hundred dollars effective, I'm I'm probably just jamming. Hmm. Like from out of okay, position, well, I feel like he's just gonna have like. He, we might even have him crushed. Like, I feel like he just might be doing this with, like, a pair below ours. I feel like we're going to be flipping a lot of the time. And then, like, some small percentage of the time, he'll have us beat. But mm -hmm. I think we're in pretty good shape. I'd have to think we're actually in okay shape against him. Okay, I, I think that's fair. I thought we were 300 deep, so I didn't really consider jamming. Um, I think if, if we were that deep, I think it would be a mistake yeah, to jam. I agree. Um, if we were that deep, would you just call, or would you, you would I assume call, or would you fold? I mean, I think we kind of have to. F I guess if we're three hundred deep, so then we'd be calling. There'd be like two thirty in the pot, and we'd have like less than a pot size bet behind. I mean, it just kind of gets tricky post flop. Like, are you just calling off like most flops? Yeah, I mean, my thought again, thinking we were three hundred deep, I was like. I'm just going to call here, and then I'm going to call any flop not containing an ace or a king. Right. So, I guess, I mean, I guess that's probably fine. Like, it's a, it's a, just a little awkward because we are, like, out of position, you know, it's like, you know, if we check and, like, he checks back a board that's bad for his range, and then, like, an ace or a king hits the turn, it's like, well, you know, well, crap. Um, right. And we, you know, we, it's just like with one pot size bet behind, you know, even if we do assume that it's like 300, I don't know. It's it's such an awkward spot. Yeah, I, I think I, honestly, I, you know, I did butcher this hand and I think if we were as deep as I thought we were, I'm probably just supposed to fold. I, I think so. Because I think our hand is yeah. just, just slightly too marginal. You know, I think for like pocket tens, we can probably play as a call. Pocket nines probably in the middle. Maybe like that's kind of where I, what I would think if if we're that deep because like you know once you get to tens like you're gonna have an overpair like a a a decent percentage of the time versus like pocket eights and that's yeah. like that makes our decision like even easier. Right. Yeah, I think you're right. I think I should have folded given what I thought the situation was, but and then I should have jammed given what the situation was was actually. But I actually did just call here, which I think is a pretty big mistake. You know. In general, calling pre-flop versus lags, you just shouldn't do it. You should always just put in another better fold because they're just going to put so much pressure on you pro-flop. So I think that I made a pretty big error here. Um, yeah, and, and again, you know, even if we're 200 deep, I don't mind just folding eights. Like, I do think we have better... I mean, I do think we have better hands that we're three... Like, this is basically the bottom of our three-betting range. Yeah. Like, e even, even, even with all that background... I still don't think it's uh, it's atrocious to fold pocket eights. Well, I, I don't think it's atrocious, but I actually I do think it is better played as a jam versus this type of opponent. Yeah. He also might fold. Yeah, After absolutely. If he's just getting frisky, he certainly might fold. 
So, um, so yeah, I, I think a jam would be is in order here. But I did not jam. I called. So um, now there's like eighty five left and two thirty in the pot. So we have like a third pot behind. Which is so silly. So yeah. Anyway, uh, the flop comes nine seven three rainbow. I, I don't remember the suits, but it's relevant. Yeah. Um. And I'm like, well, this is a bad flop for Ace King. Um, I mean, I don't think it's horrendous because I, I shouldn't have that many. Like, I shouldn't have that many sets here. Um, I mean, I think he's probably ripping Ace King for the most part. Anyway, I think he's probably ripping just most of his hands. So I check to him, assuming I have to throw in a call chip. But he actually checks back. Okay. I mean, I think that's. I think we probably have the best hand here. That's my thought. I was yeah. Like, All right. Because, like, if you're going to be a lag and you, like, flop an overpair or something, you may as well take advantage of it with, like, a third pot behind and just stick it in, right? Yeah, that was my thought at the time. Okay. Um, but, again, remember, I am thinking he has, like, almost pot in his stack. Yeah. That is what I at the moment. So. Right. Um, the turn comes a jack of completes the rainbow. Okay. And I'm thinking I still probably have the best hand here a lot, and I'm also thinking I can get some value from ace-king. If I bet, you know, small, which I realized that betting small would be just ripping it here, but I didn't know that at the time. So, because again, I was being bad and not paying attention to stack sizes. Uh, so, do you think that it's reasonable to think about going for thin value here? I mean, even let's say for the sake of argument, I was thinking about just jamming for value. Do you think that's crazy? I don't think it's crazy, but I don't think we're beating, like, it's just annoying. Like, this is why kind of calling free flop with eights is like, meh in my opinion is just because like we see now there's like two over cards and like it sounds from this type of opponent that he could just have hands with jacks and nines in them that are not gonna fold like which is just which is just not ideal right and in most four bat pots that's just not gonna happen but like it sounds like opponent is the type who could have 10 nine suited jack 10 suited queen jack suited king jack suited like all these hands that you know he's just he's just kind of giving up checking back the, the flop because he figures oh you called my four bet you're probably like ridiculously strong and now all of a sudden like finds a pair and seems like this is the kind of thing where even though you're jamming for a small amount, even with the small stack size, he's going to like hem and haw and then eventually call you with a better hand. Um, so it's just like, I, I don't think it's, but I don't think it's crazy because he definitely does have misses here too, right? Like he's got like ace 10, ace king, ace queen, king queen. And, and he might just be like, well, it's such a good price. Maybe I'll spike a king or whatever, you know? Yeah. But I would uh, say, I mean, if, if you thought, even with the stacks you thought, right, then it's like you're still playing like where pot or where your stacks are only like three quarters of a pot bet, I think. Yeah. So it's like, it's a, which is still not a ton. Like, it's tough to like block bet here because you just don't have enough behind to fold, especially right. against this player type. Yeah. Um, yeah, check is just in order here in either situation. Yeah, I mean, maybe we... But, like, then it's also awkward if, like, he jams. Like, maybe we just have to, like, shrug call. Like, because this does, like... He probably does pounce on weakness and probably doing okay against his range of, like, all Broadway cards. Right. Yeah, I, I think we're definitely calling a jam here if we don't... If we check. I think we're check calling. Yeah. Um, interesting. Yeah, well, I actually, I, I bet 50 because I was thinking he had a lot behind and I thought I could get some thin value. Um, okay. Nope. Oh, well. Anyway, he rips it immediately. Okay, and he rips it for 35. 
more. more. So obviously we're calling here. Yeah. Um, any, any thoughts on what he has? I mean, I think I, I mean I feel like I I pretty much said what his value and bluff ranges I would think are like you know value like Jack X Broadway cards and bluffs like the remaining Broadway cards for the most part. And I guess he could have, I guess he could have like aces, kings, or queens and just slow play them on the flop because of stack sizes. But like, I don't think he should be doing that. It also doesn't make sense with like a lag type player. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah. So, I mean, I really, really butchered this hand. Like, this is, this is embarrassingly bad, which is why I'm sharing it on the internet. Um, but anyway, he has pocket nines. Okay. Well, do you get there on the river? Do you get the massive suck out? Do I get there? I do not get there, no. Bummer. So the river's not a 10. The river is not a 10. Well, I mean, that's the other thing, right? As I was I was, I was, was thinking, you know, maybe he's got, like, top set. And, like, people love to check top set, but... Yeah. And, you know, yeah, I, lives get paid. Yep, lives get paid. I mean, yeah, I, at the end of the day, like, I played this hand very badly. I think if I had ripped pre, he, he might have folded. I mean, honestly. Uh, but... I mean, nines is an insane hand to four bet, for the record. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's like I mean, he just he just wants to get money in. Yeah. So I mean, it's kind of a cooler like when you're playing against a maniac and you just like have the second best hand. You know, like I said, I I certainly experienced that a couple times as well, where it was like, oh yeah, absolutely, I'll call on this double paired board when your value range is like super thin, and you know, sometimes yeah. they have it, sometimes they don't. Yep, that's the way it goes. All right, well, we're going to take a quick break here, and we'll be right back with our guest. Welcome back, everybody. We are here with our special guest, uh, the one and only Corn. Corn, would you like to introduce yourself? Hello, uh, my name is Corn. I uh, I run these uh, online games that have been mentioned in our earlier episodes. I'm a college student right now, and I kind of play online and uh a little bit at mgm national harbor as well oh, i've heard that room is uh it's a i feel like that room comes up a lot as like one of the better rooms like on the east coast is that yeah um, how do you like I that i think it's it's one of the nicer ones and i think uh one of the main reasons is they don't allow smoking inside of the casino so they have their own smoking decks uh, ah, for designated just... places because I, I don't know if you guys have been to vegas but vegas most of the casinos will allow smoking and it just reeks in there on the casino floor yeah i've never i've never been to vegas but my local casino is encore boston harbor which also is a non-smoking casino and i do i i've been to a couple others like in philly that do allow smoking and it definitely is like night and day difference in terms of my like yeah. sense enjoyment mm -hmm. yeah i mean the poker rooms around jacksonville don't allow smoking so that's nice but um yeah. Yeah, I don't think I've... Did, when we played in Philly, Josh, did they allow smoking? They, they yeah, yeah, in the casino, yeah. But we had to walk through, like, clouds of smoke to get to the poker room. But the poker rooms are not smoking. Yeah. yeah, well, so... And you usually... I mean, what stake do you usually play at, at MGM? Uh, so I usually play the 510, which turns into a 510-25. Usually. Of course. Uh, just because most of the regs will encourage straddles and... Uh, I mean, obviously, it's not always 5-10-25 if one or two people won't yeah. straddle, but uh, I would say, like, 90% of the time, it's 5-10-25. Yeah. 
So it sounds to me like these regs you're talking about are the type of regs who are quite good for the game rather than the uh, the opposite. Um, well, I say regs, but uh, I think a good amount of them are pros, like live pros, but uh, live pros and online pros are very different. Because I've played, I've played and studied with live pros, and I've played and studied with online pros, and um, you know, I think there is still a significant skill gap. Don't get me wrong, like these guys, the you know these live pros know what they're doing i'm sure they're well studied but you just don't get put into as many like tough spots and live yeah so you know you can you can get by with uh, a lot less do you do you play online as well i mean obviously you play in, in our online home game type scenarios mm -hmm. but do you play on like acr and places like that um i play on ignition uh slash bovada as well um and then you know like a few clubs on sure. Club GG. Very cool. I mean, you know, obviously uh, Josh and I, we don't, we, we, we barely strayed past, we never strayed past 2-5, so we're not, uh, we're certainly not playing in 5-10. We're, cer we're certainly not live pros or whatever, whatever the opposite of that is. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> Fish. Uh, but Fish is the word you're looking for. <laughs> whales. Um, I mean, how did you kind of, you know, work your way up to, um, to playing how long have you been playing these stakes for i guess and yeah so i i started playing poker i feel like when everyone starts playing poker at least for guys and it was in my like childhood friend's basement uh summer <laughs> of my senior year of high school um and you know we're just you know a bunch of high schoolers so we snuck beer in and uh we're like hey let's play poker five dollar buy-in right pretty you know just having fun um, and I realized, yeah, my friends are terrible, and I didn't know anything about the game, and that's kind of, and we would play a lot of poker over the summer, and then, uh, I kind of forgot about it, and then COVID hit, um, and so everyone's quarantined, and then I was actually watching this guy on YouTube named Greg Goes All In, who would do these, uh, almost like these poker bits and skits, uh, and he'd post them on YouTube. He didn't have a ton of subscribers, but, um, I found his channel, and, uh, one, he's eventually started playing with his subscribers in a server, um, and I watched the video and I watched someone call the river to a jam with like Queen High. I'm like, okay, I need to join this game. I need to join these games as fast as I can. So I joined there, um, and then kind of just played 25 and L. Um, I think this was this the COVID summer. So, um, oh yeah, I was. I remember I was I was working a part time job as a swim coach. Um, from like eight to noon, and I would yeah. So I'd work eight to noon, um, and then I would play poker from like one to like five in the morning, and then you know sleep a little bit, and then just repeat and repeat. And uh, that's kind of a lot of where a lot of my volume started in the beginning, just grinding out those micro stakes, and then eventually I kind of just worked my way up the stakes over the over the uh, last few years. That's awesome. Well. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's kind of what we all aspire to is like you grind it up and eventually you're, 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 you're at the next level on the next level. So mm -hmm. that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's great. That, I feel like the online, you know, doing that online grinding especially is so good for volume. Cause you know, you probably played more hands in like six months than like I've played it in my life. Oh yeah. And that's like another thing, like people complain about variance live. It's like, okay, well you're not, you're only playing like, I don't know. Like maybe ten thousand hands like a year, which is like from a statistics standpoint, that's like nothing in terms of realizing your true variance. Because um, online you can play ten thousand hands in like 
like three days easily. Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, I've... yeah, the volume is just way more, and you kind of, uh, yeah, you kind of realize your skill a lot more because um, it averages out in the long term. Well, are the uh, the hand the hands that you've uh, or the hand that you've got for us today? Is it from a ten twenty five game or is it from a uh, from something else? Okay, so I got two hands, um, and I'll let you guys pick. Um, so one is from a 1025, and another is from a very deep heads up. Hmm. Well, I think that we will be able to uh, provide more, or figure, understand what's going on a little better for a, from a ring 1025 game than we would from a uh, on uh, from a heads up, a deep heads up game. I don't know. What do you think, Josh? I agree. I think we had one deep heads up hand from another guest uh, that we just definitely butchered our analysis of throughout so but happy to i mean this 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 live game sounds pretty interesting so why don't we go with that one okay yeah um okay so so yeah uh we're playing five ten twenty five i got about um i'm, I'm doing this from memory so forgive me <laughs> i have about four thousand dollars in front of me uh so that's just under i think that's the 80 180 bigs Correct. Yeah. Right. yeah, or something like that. You know, like whatever. Uh, math is hard. I have about four thousand. Um, I look down at King of Hearts, Jack of Clubs. Uh, I'm in the cutoff. I raise to sixty. Uh, so I assume it to you. There's probably not a lot of limping in these games. Yeah. So, oh yeah, I guess a little bit about the five ten games. Um, it's pretty reg heavy, I would say. Um, so there's not a ton of limping. Um, if there is limping, those players are going to be limping every hand. Um, but it's usually just a lot of regs targeting fish, I would say. Um, mm -hmm. But you know, I like I actually like playing the five ten more than I like playing two five live, just because the regs know about ranges and they know about like oh he raised under the gun he's gonna be strong oh he four bet here he's gonna be strong oh he's leading out from the big bot line like they have a a better sense of what ranges should look like based on positions and I can use that knowledge against them, um, mm. and that just gives me the satisfaction. I love how, how many um, games? How many of these five ten games are running um, uh, at any given MGM. night? Is it like a one one game sort of thing? Or so MGM usually only runs one game. Uh, sometimes they'll do two tables. Uh, it usually starts up around like two p.m. depending on the day during the week, um, and then it'll go until it breaks at like six in the morning. Um, if it's particularly crowded, they'll make a must move, but I've sure. never seen more than two tables up. Gotcha. Okay. Cool. Just, sure. just curious about you know how many yeah, people yeah. are playing. And... Yeah, because some some casinos have like ten tables of five ten, but MGM's I think a little not not quite as uh I guess five ten heavy. Okay. And, and what what's the cap on the game by the way? There is a twenty five hundred cap. Okay. Okay. Cool. Yeah, so, so all right, good hundred eighty effective with the straddle in the cutoff. You have king of clubs, jack of hearts, and you open it up. I have King of Hearts, Jack of Clubs, yes. Oh, backwards. Um, we raised 260, uh, standard, what is that, 2.4. Um, you could argue a little bit bigger since there's a straddle, but 60 uh, has been like my standard size for everything. Cool, um, okay. And then the small blind calls, and then the straddle makes it uh, 300. And my read on the small blind is just kind of kind of a fish. You know, I mean, he calls in small blind. It's pretty pretty uh fishy i would say but the the straddle is i know is a pro and he's one of the better pros um and he's one of the tighter players um like 
Uh, I've talked to him a little bit. He's, you know, he's had 10k weekends just going to Vegas. Uh, so he knows what he's doing, and he's been regging these games for a long time. Um, and I usually don't mess with him, but, you know, I got a little frisky, so I decided to four bet to, I think it was 675. Uh, small line folds and the straddle calls. Um, and the flop is... Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's, okay. let's just, you know, let's take... Okay, think about... yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, King Jack offsuit, probably not your strongest cutoff open hand. Um, I, yes. I definitely agree that four betting it is much better than calling with it. I think calling it, it's it's definitely going to be a rough time post slot. Yeah, um, and um, I think in theory this is just a pure fold. Um, King Jack off just sucks. Yeah, it, it I, that that seems that sounds right. But on the other hand, you know, I, I think it's okay to like mix in occasional nonsense with you know hands yeah, like that. that. Yeah, and. Um, you could argue you forbet just a little bit more because of the dead money from the small blind. You could like, I mean, the straddle could be squeezing a lot of hands there. Sure. And therefore we can squeeze a lot of hands there. Um, and I've seen him do this a ton before. I mean, he's a pro, like he knows what he's doing. He's going to squeeze if there's dead money, so. Um, and I figured, you know, King Jack is a, um, it's an okay forbet hand. Um, but yeah, definitely not calling. Yeah, I mean, you're blocking some strong hands, right? So having Broadway, I mean, you know, having Broadways and, and, and four betting is better than not having Broadways and four betting. Exactly. Yeah. Um, it's my expert analysis of your pre-thought play. <laughs> so yeah, a little little no-no there with the four bet, but uh, whatever. Um, if you're going to play it, yeah, I totally yeah, agree with Mike I mean, and you, you know, play it this way. I can't be pushed around by this guy. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. Okay, so the flop is uh, Ace of Hearts. Ten of hearts, five of diamonds. Interesting. Um, so, not a great. I mean, it's an okay flop, right? It's not the best. We have air. We have a gutter though, um, and a backdoor flush draw. Backdoor yeah. not flush draw, right? Backdoor not flush draw. Yes. Um, I mean, I actually, yeah, I don't hate this flop. Like, obviously, it's a bet. It's great for our range, uh, and we get to. Barrel. We can pick, we can pick up the nuts. We can also pick up equity to the nuts. Like we're gonna have a lot of turns. We can barrel on, and also we're in position. So if we decide not to barrel a turn, we can check it back and then still make the nuts in the river. So yeah, I don't think this. Like honestly, if you're if you're four betting with King Jack offsuit, I don't really know what you're looking for in a flop. Like I I would honestly like be kind of upset if the flop was like King King Rag Rag, and you're just like holy crap, am I even good? Yeah, I think that's like. <laughs> I and think that's, that's yeah. worse. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. So, I, I don't know how this guy plays. Like, it, is he the type of player who's like five betting aces and kings, or is this a type? You know, is uh, he kind of taking the no five bet approach? That's I feel like become I a think, little more I think popular. We're just too deep to, or we're not, or sorry, we're not too deep. I think we're just not deep enough to uh, justify a five bet because the three bet is already pretty big. And yeah, the four bet is a, a little bit bigger as a. Um, because of the small blind, and so, um, I mean, so what's it? Yeah. So the pot's about fourteen hundred with about thirty three hundred behind. Is what I have after that. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so, okay, so yeah, Ace ten five. Um, checks to me. I bet, and I think this is just a board. I want to go pretty small. Um, I don't really need to bet big to fold out worse, or fold out like 
you know, I mean, he's going to have kings, queens, jacks, and aces sometimes, and a lot of ace decks. And so I th my plan here was just like, okay, we might barrel one or two hands or one or two streets and then kind of just give up. Um, I mean, having the king of hearts is good, so hearts come in, we can we can go pretty ape shit there, but also the ace of hearts is there, so that blocks a lot of our um, heart combos too. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely hard to represent the flush, I would say, from you, but like then again, I don't know. I mean, it, it, like, if a heart comes on the turn and you bet quite large, like, given the action, it doesn't necessarily mean that you are repping hearts, because, like, he's not going to have a lot of flushes there either, so. Yeah, um, and it's just, yeah, it's just a lot harder, because I'm going to have a lot more suited aces that will forbet, and not a lot of suited kings that will forbet, so I'm more likely, to, he's going to have more flushes than I am, technically. So, okay, fair enough. Um, just a little minute detail, I guess, but, um, yeah, so ace ten five. Uh, I think I bet I bet around 500 here. Um, like I said, super small. Don't really want to get into a situation where SPR is really low on the turn and I have to call off a jam. Sure. Um, so I bet 500, he calls. Uh, the turn is a five of diamonds. So pairs the bottom card. The flop was a five of, five of diamonds, right? So oh, is this sorry, a five? five? Five of hearts. Ah, great. Five of hearts, yeah. Oh, so you make your you either not, the back door flush draw. You you now have it or hearts come in rather. Yes. Um, so yeah. quick quick question on the turn. I mean, I I think nothing wrong with going. You know, it's it's slightly over a third. Is is there even merit to going like smaller? Like, because I I feel yeah, like the board is so favorable for us. Like we do have a lot of backdoor equity. Like, and you know after he calls, you know the pot's like twenty four hundred. We have like twenty eight hundred behind. So it's. It's gonna be tough. I mean, it's it's not easy to find a sizing on like good turns that you know we can bet, and there's not a ton of playability, is what I'm trying to say. Like, yeah, if yeah. if the SPR is just over one, maybe we leave ourselves a little bit more if we bet like you know a quarter pot or a little less. But I don't know. I mean, I don't hate a third pot either. Just curious if yeah, you thought about that. The reason I went a third is just because we're a little bit deeper. Um, had we been like closer to 100 bigs, I think uh, even like 10% pot or 20% pot is fine as well. Um, or sure. even just checking on ace 10 five. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean, I, I do think that the stack sizes now are a little awkward. I'm not sure that, like if you had bet smaller, would they be less awkward? Like, not that much less awkward. Yeah. I think it actually yeah. is sort of awkward in this hand. And that's just yeah, they the are way. kind of awkward. And I guess my plan after he calls flop is um, you know he's he's definitely a player good enough to you know continue with like under pairs here and like 10x as well um, the 5 is actually really good because it's less likely he has ace 5 and pocket 5s on occasion um, and I feel like he would jam all of his boats here on the turn if should I bet um, so ace 5 pocket 10s well, although it doesn't actually cut down on the combos of ace five suited, right? Like because the the five is the same suit not, as the no, ace, but, so. But it makes pocket fives less likely too. Yeah, yeah for sure. Does uh, he? Which, yeah, which isn't crazy because it's a four bet pot, and I don't think he'd be squeezing pocket fives, but you know, just just out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I mean it's good to. It's always. I mean the the card pairing does de definitely gives him less sort of like value jams if we continue. 
Yeah, it's an interesting card because hearts come in, so I have the nut blocker, and but it also pairs the board, so I'm dead against tens and aces and boats, you know. Um, Do you think he has tens? Is he really ever like just calling out of position with tens on the on the flop? Is he not gonna ever raise it? Yeah, he's seen me do some crazy moves before. Um, okay. I, I have I have a pretty good history with this player. Yeah, I mean uh, that that's fair. Yeah, I mean I, people aren't often check raising on you know in on in four bet pots anyway. So I guess it isn't crazy to think he can have tens. I guess he can have aces here too. So yeah. um, certainly with uh, you know playing either of those hands in a trappy manner isn't crazy, especially aces. So yeah, I mean. But, I mean, on the other hand, you do have a great barrel card here. Like, you did pick up equity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so um, I decide to bet, I think, 1,000 on the turn, leaving myself around, I think, 1,800. Yep, I think I think that's right. Um, so, so, and this is to leave yourself the ability to fold if he jams, basically. Yeah, and I, I actually don't like this bet. Looking back on it, I think I'm better off either jamming myself or checking because the the heart just gives me so much equity and uh having the gutter um maybe my king high is good sometimes as well um but you know the the monkey in me saw oh we have nut flush blocker let's let's just blast so um, one interesting point here i mean i i think obviously we are if we jammed here like we would be repping like a very narrow range ourselves of you know pretty, pretty much aces tens and I guess ace king with like the king of hearts maybe like do you think your like do you think your opponent is going to be folding like kings queens and jacks to or like ace queen or something do you think your opponent's ever gonna like do you think your opponent is going to be folding that most of the time to a jam um i think they're going to be folding kings queens jacks 10x um but they're not going to be folding any ace x here um especially if they have like another heart blocker and so that was kind of my reasoning in the moment was like okay he's not if like hands that will fold to a jam will also fold to a thousand and so yeah i save a little bit of money there i guess um i, I you know, agree with means never yeah. Like, um, yeah. you're right yeah like, i think he will do those those same exact set of hands so to, to a jam versus a non-jam and i also don't think jamming here is necessarily appropriate like as an overbet jam because like yeah to your point like you really don't have that much of a nut advantage here so i don't really think it makes a ton of sense to overbet jam exactly yeah and i i think the best play here is to just check and uh realize kind of give up too because you know we have king high <laughs> but well I mean, is there a merit I mean, you could all go either way but i don't know i don't really hate the bet i mean i i feel like you're you are trying to like I think trying to get folds from kings, queens, and jacks is pretty legitimate here. I mean, you don't beat those hands, and so trying to fold them out. I mean, you might even be able to get away with going a little smaller than a thousand, possibly. Like, yeah, and then I think I think I could go smaller, but you know, it's live, and I thought I'd look cool throwing in the little pumpkin chip. Yeah, and, and and you know, also, I mean, to your point about kings, queens, jacks, etc. Like, we don't have a great hand if that's like sort of the hands we're targeting because like we're. Mm blocking way fewer combos of ace x than we are kings queens and jacks because we have yeah. king jack so maybe that adds merit to a check back versus trying to fold out the hands we're blocking yeah exactly um yeah this is probably one of the worst block candidates we're gonna have here 
Yeah, um, and also if yeah. he calls, if he calls here, I mean, you're gonna have what? What are you gonna half have? pot, forty percent um, pot behind, basically. Yeah. yeah, which isn't great necessarily. Yeah, and another reason I bet uh, a thousand was, you know, I'm trying to make it look like uh, like a perfect river jam. Right and like, oh, I have aces. You know, I'm, I'm milking you. Oh, I have ace king. I'm milking you. Um, give you a good price on the river to call. Well, to that, then I almost feel like we could go a little bit. To Mike's point, maybe we can go even a little bit smaller, like seven fifty, like almost a third pot, like seven fifty eight hundred. I know you have the live dynamics, and I'm sure it feels great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, throw throwing out one of those hockey pucks. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. But you know, may, maybe because then we're still kind of setting up for you know a. 50 to 75 percent pot jam we're risking a little less but i think that i mean there's not i was obviously not that much of a difference between yeah, those I sizings think, i think we were like slightly deeper than four thousand. like it was maybe like 41 4200 sure i don't sure. remember exactly uh because i didn't write it down but you know um you know it, it was about half pot on the river okay, um, okay. so yeah I, yeah i bet a thousand uh he calls and the river is the queen of spades hey and so we make our straight, and then he donk jams. Um, and wow. I'm like, well, I, I basically, uh, well, I mean, we have the king of hearts, which is good. Um, well, yeah. but it does suck because, like, you know, this is, like, very much he could have pocket queens. Right? I mean, he yeah. could also have, like, pocket aces and pocket tens pocket still. Aces, and... pocket queens, pocket tens would all just jam. Yeah, I mean, there's pretty much, like, no flushed combos, right? Like, you basically have to have, like, queen-jack of hearts. Exactly. And it's like his only... probably just jam turn anyways. Or raise right. flop. Yeah, t turn, right? I, and and that's, that's actually a good point. That I guess pocket aces and pocket tens you'd probably think would jam turn if they're going to be, like, donk jamming river anyway. Yeah, yeah. I think maybe aces would trap just blocking a lot of uh, hands that would call. But definitely tens. Tens are definitely jam jamming turn. Watches um, are definitely jamming turn as well. But what are his bluffs here? That's actually like, I mean, because this is really, I mean, yeah, it's for, first of all, like, it's not that big of a donk. Like, it's not like a very polarizing donk. I mean, yes, it's an all in, but it, as we said, it's something like 40% pot. Yeah. So, 50% pot. So, it's not that polarizing. Um, so, I mean, what are the bluffs? Yeah. But also, like, it's live, and it's hard to think about the size of the pot, too. Because, um, you know, I, I didn't, like, count our stacks exactly. Um, I Sure. And, yeah, so, like, I wasn't sure exactly how much pot it was. I thought it was a little bit more, actually. I thought it was close for, like, three quarters um, <laughs> in the moment. Um, but, I mean, we can't fold. We have King Jack, we have a straight, we have the Nut Flush Walker. If he has a boat, good for him. We pay him off. Um, I think I thought about it for like, like I don't know, less than five seconds. Hold yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's definitely interesting Like to think, I'm just trying to think like what is, I mean, is he ever overvaluing something here? I guess would be the first question. And I don't think, like, do you beat any value? Ace-Queen, possibly. Ace-Queen, we beat ace yep. ten. We'd be and like be I mean bad. ace queen kind of makes sense too right like ace queen and pocket queens probably play in a similar way yeah. I think I think the most likely hand he does this with is ace queen and he just has so many combos of ace queen versus 
like aces and queens you know because because it's the same sort of thing where he's basically thinking aha like i got you with your ace king yeah right yeah and that's kind of why i liked betting turn to pull out kings queens jacks uh, that's right. true right, right right also why i called so quickly because like there's no way he shows up with queens here right after i bet flop at turn yeah i, I wouldn't say no way if he's if he thinks you're full of crap then sure he can have queens yeah. but yeah yeah um but he's i mean, like i said he's like one of the tighter pros i've seen um very disciplined player um i mean maybe with a cart but like like i said if he has it he has it yeah, I mean, at that point, if you think he has all the ace-queen still, you know, even if we give him all the combos of queens, there's like nine combos of ace-queen and only three of aces and three of queens, so... Yeah. If if, that, if we think he's only... If we think that, like, that's kind of his donk jam range, then, then, like, obviously we have to call... You know, if, if we think he's not doing it all the time with ace-queen, and or if we think he doesn't show up with queens, maybe that changes the math, but I mean, I don't think I can fault you for a call. Especially yeah. with the King of Hearts, because then again, as we said, like maybe Queen Jack of Hearts is the other hand that plays this way. And mm-hmm. but again, that like it, I definitely agree that him calling the turn also kind of throws off his range because like with like pocket tens and Queen Jack of Hearts, you would think he would be jamming for not that much more on the turn. Yeah, yeah. Betting the turn yeah. just condenses his range so much that um, he he would just he would have jammed anything that beats me except queens right no i I think it's pretty interesting like i'm having trouble coming up with a bluff i mean i think if if he he has all the ace queens here then yeah obviously this is just a call but i'm just trying like it's really hard to come up with a bluff he could have here i mean like kings with the king of hearts but you have the king of hearts yeah so all of his bluffs yeah, so it's pretty... I mean, maybe, like, jacks with a jack of hearts, I guess, isn't, like, completely insane, but it's a little insane. And again, we feel like we should have folded that out on the uh, on the turn. So Yeah, yeah I'm not sure why I have a flash draft now. But, yeah. And so, my yeah. hand's, like, a okay catcher, I would say. The board being paired obviously sucks, having a flush blocker, too. Um, but, you know, we... I guess it's not really a catcher, it's a straight... Um, <laughs> I don't know. Would you would you consider a straight a catcher there? I don't think so. No, like that's the thing. Like I think uh, if we're thinking this is a bluff catch, then I actually think we have a terrible candidate because we are blocking a lot of bluffs. But I, I think if we're chart if we're like, well, he would definitely do this with ace queen, then I think this is just then it's not a bluff catch. It's like I have a strong I have a strong made hand. I'm gonna call. Right. Like I'm beat, if we're beating his value and he's doing this with ace queen, then it just makes then we have to call. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So. Um, so he ended up actually having ace king. Um, <laughs> I think his reasoning was he wanted to, he thought I had ace king and he wanted to get me off a chop. So wow. he was turning ace king into a bluff to get you off a chop. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Did he have a? He didn't even have a heart. He can't have a heart. No. That's whack, man. Yeah, I just don't. I don't really think that's like a. I mean, I, I don't think that's a... I, I don't get it. Like, I, I don't yeah. think Ace-King is, like, ever folding out better or getting called by worse. I guess you could... I guess... I mean, if you have Ace-King here, are you folding? Like, maybe. Yeah, folding. Um, like, if you like, if you had Ace-King with no... SPR is just so low. Um, <laughs> crazy. And I think... I mean, maybe it's the bluff, maybe it's for value. I have no idea. 
That's so weird. It was kind of a weird uh, jam. But I, I mean, mean, I guess from the perspective, like I might fold. I, I guess that's what I'm saying. I mean, you had Ace King, like it, it might work, but it's. I guess if he's never folding to your jam, then then I guess it's fine because like he's putting the money. But I don't know. Sometimes it's gonna go check check and he wins. So yeah, I don't know. I, it's a it's a weird spot. That's so strange. But, like, uh... I feel like. That's funny, you know, we often talk about, like, live poker has, like, the spaz factor. And, like, I'm assuming, like, 5, 10, 25 against a bunch of regs, like, you don't really have the spaz factor, but I guess maybe you do sometimes still, I don't know. Like, this just seems, this just seems like a spaz I would see a 2-5 player do. Yeah, and I think part of it is also just, like, I pull that bluff a lot, and these guys, you know, <laughs> they've seen me pull that bluff a lot. Or, you know, sure. four bet a lot. So they know I'm four bet bluffing to some frequency. And uh, obviously, I was here too. So, yeah, but like to that, to, to Mike's point, it's like if he thinks you just have like a hand of garbage, then he should just check and like plan on check calling. Yeah. Right? Because like if, if he thinks that your hand, like if, if he thinks that you're doing it with like random suited cards, then like if you have a flush, you're never folding. And if you have some other garbage, you're never calling. So it's just like it's it is just kind of a weird spot where if you think about what hands he's trying to fold out and what hands he's trying to get calls from, it's just like the only hand he's folding out is Ace King. Yeah, and I think, yeah, I think because uh, I've I've never really like messed with him. I tend to steer clear of this guy, and like I've noticed a lot of the pros will do this. They won't four bet bluff each other so much. It's more targeting the fish. Because you know it's it's better to be in spots against the fish than spots against the pro. Well, that's yeah, why you play it in. I mean, better to do it in position, and that's yeah. Yeah. I mean, that kind of goes back to preflop, like, uh, where it's like, yeah, you're absolutely right that when you have king jack and you want to play against this guy who you know is probably three betting on the light side sometimes because of that fish in the middle. You know, why not play yeah. it as a three bet? You know, if you had, you know, you're in position better than calling. Once in a while, why not? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it was really a, it was the hand ideally was supposed to end two flop, but he called. So, um, how dare he show up yeah. with Ace King and play it in this manner? Yeah, I, I mean, I would, I would probably play Ace King the same way. Um, just call the four bet out of position. Oh yeah. Yeah, but I bet like too when you show down like King Jack off suit, he's probably so tilted. He's like, oh, God yeah, damn, like, he, I can tell like. He, um, like the whole table was kind of like, what? <laughs> you forget that? that? Um, I got some some weird looks. After. <laughs> yeah, but you got the chips, so. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. I like. I mean, I think it's a creative creative way to play it, and uh, works out nicely when the straddle just yeah. I mean, it, I really think it's just a spaz. I agree with you, Mike. Yeah. Well, I think we got to wrap it up there. But thanks so much for joining us, Corn. Of course. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks for yeah. bringing it. And thank you to our lovely audience for tuning in once more to uh, to Bankroll Burners and listening to us talk about playing the poker badly so that someday you may play poker better. Uh, with that, make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. We love seeing numbers go up, as always. Yep. All Bye, right. everyone. Have a good one.